Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. We live in perilous times. This is the second time, occasion in my life, where I feel I live in perilous times. The first was when the United States and the Soviet Union were at odds. This went on from the end of World War II through about 1990. I can remember in the 60s, the 70s, uh, raising a family. You know, I was out of law school. I had my first home. It was 1960. We had four children. My children who were going to school were having, remember the days of fire drills? Well, they had air raid drills in case someone was going to drop a nuclear bomb on us, and all the kids were taught was they could get on their hands and knees under their desk. There was a SAC Air Force Base 14 miles from Utica, Griffiths Air Force Base, so we thought we would be one of the first areas hit. And we had fear. Now, this is a more fearful time. I've got to say it this way, because we're dealing with two nuts, one that runs the United States and the other one who runs North Korea. Both of them are not all there mentally. They're to large degrees mentally unbalanced. They're both wax. They both shoot from the hip. The guy in North Korea is worse, I think, but nevertheless, we have two people that you never know when they're going to go off. They're like a firecracker. Boom. Uh, And we could end up in a war, and we could end up in a nuclear war. And it shouldn't be in this day and age. But I think today is more fearful than what I knew back in the 60s and 70s. So I'm going to talk about Trump a little bit here at the beginning tonight and then get into other things. Uh, He's nuts. We start that way. I say this respectfully to my friends and my listeners who love this guy and think he's doing a great job. Uh, The blind cannot see. That's all I can tell you. The blind cannot see. I hope I'm wrong, and you're right, but I don't think so. Anyhow, let's talk about North Korea and Kim Jong-un, 27 years old, one of the craziest people in the world, threatens to bomb us with nuclear weapons once he has them developed. He may have them already. He's going to use his missiles on the Vincent, if we ever get into a war with him, the USS Vincent, the carrier in, the, in those waters off North Korea, is gone. And so is Seoul, South Korea, because they're going to bomb the hell out of there. And not only the South Koreans, but the American, I think we have 25,000 uh, military people there. Anyhow, what is Trump? He calls him on the telephone this weekend. Yesterday, Monday, rather, he called Trump, called Kim Jong-un on the telephone. And he says that this Kim Jong-un is a, and I quote, a smart cookie. Uh, I I, I don't understand. But what he further said, uh, he said he would be, and I quote, honored to have Kim Jong-un visit the White House under certain conditions. We don't know what they are. But if Kim Jong-un wants to come and visit Trump in the White House. He's going to be there. This is a great honor for the leader of North Korea. It makes him a big people with his person, with his people. Uh, it'll end up being, see, the president of the United States was scared. And he called me to Washington to talk with him. And we're going to give strength to a person that should not have that type of strength. Uh, 
Uh, now that brings me to the fellow in the Philippines, uh, Rodrigo Duterte. He's the relatively new president of the Philippines. He, he, he was on the phone with him Saturday. He calls people up like you and I call our friends up. He calls them up and he says, hey, you want to come and visit? We'd like to have you here too, okay? Now, Duterte is a, is a, is a bad guy also. He has a major drug problem in the Philippines, and he knows how to handle it, I guess, better than we do, uh, our drug problem. He has approximately 12,000 drug addicts there. Can't do anything with them since he became president several months ago. It's very simple. Without a judge being involved, without any arrests being involved, he has officers on the street, if they see someone smoking a joint, involved in a drug trade, anything at all, death instantly on the spot. He has them killed right then and there. So far, the official numbers are 2,800 druggies are dead. These are dealers and users. Uh, other people say the figure is as high as 6,000. Whatever it is, that's how this man is dealing with his drug problem. Sounds to me like the way Trump might deal with some problem he has in the future. Uh, Duterte also has a historical problem, as I'm going to show you in a few minutes, Trump has also. Uh, he makes incendiary comments. For example, he said Hitler massacred three million Jews. He, and he said, I'll be happy to slaughter three million drug addicts in the Philippines. Well, we know it wasn't three million Jews. It was six million Jews. Last year, this is what he said about Obama. This is what Duterte, president of the Philippines, said about Obama. He says, you can go to hell. You are a son of a bitch. You are a bastard. Your mother was a whore. And Trump invites him to the White House, just like he invites Kim Jong-un. These are the kind of people you want sleeping in Lincoln's bed. Now, I'm not done with Trump yet. Trump has an historical problem like, like this Duterte. Uh, his hero is Andrew Jackson, because Andrew Jackson was a populist. Remember New Orleans? Uh, and he became president of the United States around 1830, somewhere in that era. And he said yesterday on television, uh, I, and I don't understand where the hell this came from, but here's what he said. He said that the Civil War could have been avoided. The Civil War could have been avoided if Andrew Jackson had been president, uh, because Andrew Jackson had already been president. And he was really, and I'm quoting now, really angry that he saw what was happening with regard to the Civil War. Trump further said, and I quote, there's no reason for this. What he saw with the Civil War as if Jackson was alive at the time of the Civil War and he was against it. Well, there's only one problem. <laughs> Jackson died 16 years before the war before the Civil War began. In 1845, the Civil War began in 1861. Trump does not even have a good historical background. This is not the first time he's screwed up. I would assume, I would think, that any president of our country should know the history of our country better. Let me point this out to you also. Uh, Jackson, Andrew Jackson, 
was a slave-holding plantation owner. He owned slaves. They all did back in those days. Slaves were wealth. The first 50 years of the 19th century, all the big shots, even our heroes in the Revolutionary War, George Washington owned slaves. Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. Uh, This is the way it was. So he doesn't know his own country's history. Trump also said, if you recall, when the surveillance thing occurred and he thought uh, Obama had bogged his telephone in the White House, he said that Obama was, and I quote, sick and a bad guy. Sick and a bad guy. Well, John Dickerson uh, did a good job in questioning him uh, for Face the Nation this past weekend, okay? Uh, he, he, he so irritated Trump that Trump walked away from the interview. The interview apparently was taking place in one of the rooms in the White House, and Trump just said, I've had enough in effect, and he walked away. Uh, he start, Dickerson started questioning Trump about the wiretap, and was he satisfied now that it had not occurred, as he said, via Obama, et cetera? And he said, you have your opinion? I have mine. I'm standing by my opinion. And then he got up and immediately stopped the interview and walked away. Uh, in spite of all the proof that's been given that there, <laughs> there's no merit to this allegation, he still can, he won't apologize for calling him sick and a bad guy, and he still hasn't said he was wrong. Nothing wrong in being wrong. We are all wrong many times in our lives. Own up to it. It shows you the character of the man, which is not that good. Now I want to talk about Trump and this health care bill he's trying to get through. He's working awful hard. It's his image. He doesn't care about the people in this country and their health. I absolutely believe this. He only cares about repealing Obamacare and replacing Obamacare. He told the American people he was going to do it the first day. He's now into his 102nd or 103rd day. He wants it done by this Thursday when Congress goes on vacation again. They're always going on vacation, these guys. Anyhow, the issue of pre-existing conditions in this uh, in the remodeled or revised proposed bill, uh, there's not enough votes to get it through yet. We don't know what's going to happen. Trump insisted yesterday and the day before that pre-existing condition coverage was part of the new proposed bill. He insisted. He had that that talk in Harrisburg or wherever he was this weekend. He said, I told you you're going to get it. You got it. You got coverage for pre-existing conditions. Well, no one else. (laughs) who isn't sucking up his behind, will admit that there's pre-existing condition coverage, okay? You have to speak with a twisted tongue to say it. Even the AARP's uh, United Health Insurance Company has said there's no, you can't say there is coverage for pre-existing conditions. Under the proposed legislation, okay, uh, the states have the option of deciding whether they want to provide pre-existing coverage. If they do not, if a state does not, 
then they ask the federal government to give them a waiver so they do not have to provide it. There will be an insurance group within every insurance company or certain insurance companies which will provide pre-existing condition coverage under a very heavy premium burden estimated to be so high that very few, if any people, will be able to afford it. So, as a practical matter, you can say it's there, but it isn't there, and it isn't there. The people are not being protected. And it is the death warrant, probably, for 95% of the elderly people, uh, the young sick, and anyone that's had a pre-existing condition in this country, because ain't no hospital going to take care of you or any doctor unless you've got the insurance card. Let's understand this and be practical. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying we've got a system where it's for finally under Obamacare was covered. Now he wants to get rid of it by playing these games. Let's see. I want to talk about Sessions now. Sessions. You know, the Attorney General of the United States, former United States Senator for I don't know how many years, too many years, maybe 30. Uh, He's been going crazy since he he's a weasel. Let me start with he's a weasel. He's a racist. He's a bigot. He's a weasel. He's a former member of the Ku Klux Klan. He has gone absolutely crazy since he got the power of, be, of being the Attorney General of the United States. He is picking up immigrants like crazy and having them thrown out of the country without being brought before a an immigration judge first, without throwing them in jail first so they can get the benefit of a lawyer to help them. Uh, now, you can't, the rule of the game, the way it's supposed to be played is an immigrant who does not belong here, if they have no criminal record, we're not going to throw those people out right now. We're only going to throw out the bad ones, the ones with criminal records. And the, the law involving this specifically states that traffic ticket violations, speeding, left turn when you shouldn't have, no stop sign, uh, are not considered criminal violations, and they're not. Of the 1,200 people, he's, that's the estimate that he has had deported so far, not one had a criminal record. Not one. Half of them, about 600, had traffic violations. No criminal records. But he threw 1,200 people out of this country, disrupted lives, and so forth. This is a bad man. Now, he does not like marijuana. He doesn't like abortion. He doesn't like this. He does not like marijuana, even for medical purposes. And he has said publicly, I'm going after uh, those states that have passed laws permitting medical marijuana use. No way it isn't going to happen, because this short-term budget that has been approved that takes us to September doesn't provide you got to get money to do anything from the House of Representatives. If the House doesn't give you the money, you ain't got it to do that particular job. They gave zero dollars to go after the state's medical marijuana laws. That's what the budget says, okay? It says zero dollars. And it includes further this statement in the budget. And I quote, states can carry on with crafting their own medical marijuana policies without fear of federal intervention. 
without fear of medical and a federal intervention. Watch this guy. He's still going to try to do it. He's a bad man. He's the wolf in sheep's clothing. Uh, okay, now, this is very interesting what I'm going to share with you now. I, I talked about it on my Facebook video show this morning very briefly, two or three minutes. And that's all I'm going to share with you on it now. Uh, but it's interesting. Now, how, how do I start this? In one year, in one year, opiates, drugs, opiates, have killed ten times as many Americans. One year, opiates have killed ten times as many Americans as all terror attacks in the United States, as all terror attacks in the United States in the last 20 years. I'm going to break this down in numbers for you as we go along. Now, I raise the question, why can't we control our drug interdiction? We've been fighting drugs forever. We're spending billions on it, and we're getting no place. The job isn't getting done. We're not spending enough. That's number one. And number two, I don't think the money is being properly used, and I think a lot of people, money is getting, people are getting bribed in certain countries like Afghanistan. And I'm not talking about Americans. I'm talking about other, other ethnic groups. Anyhow, so you understand the import, the impact of this opiate uh, infliction on the United States today. 91 Americans die each day in the United States now from this drug abuse. 91 Americans die each day. And not much, as I've indicated, is being done to correct the situation by the federal government or anyone else. Because drug addiction is not considered for some reason in this country public enemy number one. Now let's look at the numbers. Since 1995, now that's 21, 22 years ago, 1995, 21, 22 years, 3,181 people, 3,181 people in the United States have died from terrorism. That 3,181 over a period of 20 years includes, includes the 3,000 killed on 9-11. Ain't a lot of people in this country being killed from terrorism. We're doing a good job of protecting us against it. I'm not saying we have it. Maybe that's the reason. But there is not a significant number by any means. Whereas, now we get into the drug numbers. In 2014, the year 2014, in one year, 29,467 Americans, 29,467 Americans died from overdose of opiate drugs. This includes prescription drugs also. In 2015, okay, because prescription drugs are are involved in this thing, 15,000 people alone lost their lives due to overdose of opiate medications, which were purchased with legally obtained, given prescriptions by medical personnel. Now, Something's out of whack in this country. All these people are dying. It's almost 30,000 people a year. Uh, and, with, and it's legal the way they're getting the drugs, half of them. That's another problem. And we're not doing enough about it. Why can't we beat this? 
91 people a day are dying. Look at the heroin epidemic, the worst this country has ever seen. And yet, look at all the money. <clears throat> There's been a war going on in Afghanistan, Afghanistan for 15 years. We've been there fighting for 15 years. The 95% of the, the heroin on the streets of the United States, 95%, comes from Afghanistan. In 15 years, with all the money we spent over there, not one poppy field, the flower from which heroin is, heroin is made, has been bombed. Not one poppy flower has been destroyed by the war. For some reason, they're protected. The fighting never goes on near the poppy fields. What the hell are we doing? We've got people over there. We're spending billions of dollars. But it's still going on. And I want to add this. Trump doesn't talk about this problem. This is a problem he should address. It's a real problem. Okay, now this is surprising what I am going to share with you. Uh, you know, Monsanto, Dow Chemicals, uh, for years now we've been hearing about genetic, I'm sorry, genetically modified organisms. They shoot our fruits and vegetables up with stuff. And they they can grow them with less water. They can grow them with more vitamins. They don't need as much pesticides. Look how beautiful our fruits look in the supermarkets. It isn't just from washing them. The next time you go into a supermarket, buy an apple. Put it in your refrigerator's fruit bin. A month later, go back and take it out. It's just as firm and beautiful as it was a month earlier. The thing has no soft spots. It's absolutely amazing. Anyhow, you know what's coming to our supermarkets next, to our supermarket shelves? Laboratory-grown meats. Laboratory-grown meats. Not uh, Meats, I'm sorry. Not today, but within five years. There is a Silicon Valley startup company called Memphis Meats, and they're working at laboratory-grown meats. What am I talking about? Chicken, duck, and beef. Now, beef is already a success being done this way. Uh, in the Netherlands in 2016, last year, they came up with animal-free meatballs that looked like meatballs and tasted like meatballs. Chicken is just around the corner, will be followed soon thereafter, I'm told, by duck. Now, what makes me think that this is going to be a successful venture, and we, in effect, are going to be eating something made in a laboratory that's going to look like meat and taste like meat, uh, going to be healthy for us? I don't know. We're not even going to have a choice, I think, by the, by the end. But there are two big investors in this Memphis Meats Company, Bill Gates, the richest man in the world, and the fellow who owns Tyson Chickens. They both have big stakes in the company. It's warranted, it's guaranteed that these things, these, these lab meats, will be rich in protein. They're worried about the taste to some degree. They're not sure yet where they're going to be, what the taste is going to be. They're working on that, but they're also saying it'll be five years before we're really hitting the market with this stuff. Another interesting thing, 45% of the American people who work, 45% of Americans spend half their income every month paying credit card bills. 45% of the American people spend uh, half their income every month paying credit card bills. 
That means that, think about it, four in every ten persons in this country spends almost half their income paying credit card bills. Another way of looking at it is the average person in this country owes $37,000 to credit card companies. 37, the average person, 37,000. They owe 37. The median income, though, of persons in this country, the median personal income is 30,000. So you've got a certain group of people who are paying out 37,000 to keep their bills paid on their credit cards, keep them working and balanced, and they're only making 30,000. Who are the biggest bad guys in this thing? The baby boomers, the ba- who are now reaching retirement age. They're in the 50s, 60s, 65. Uh, they're the most affected. 50% of the baby boomers have pissed away money with credit cards and have not saved money, do not have retirement incomes, no retirement savings. 50% of the baby boomers who are now going into retirement, a lot of them. And what is the cause of this credit card debt problem. It's called, we're talking baby boomers, it's called discretionary expenses. These baby boomers, they're spending money on entertainment, leisure travel, and hobbies. They want all the good things in life. They don't care if they don't have the money. They're willing to pay for it with their credit cards and then worry about paying their credit cards off. That's an awful expensive way for a working family to get along today, but it's the baby boomer generation that primarily has this terrible problem. It's self-inflicted because, and three of my four children are spendthrifts. They piss money away their whole lives. Maybe it's my fault the way I raised them. I don't know, but I, I see it consistent with all these kids who are part of the baby boomer generation. They just want to have a good time. And they don't care where the money comes from, how it comes. They want to go out and have a good time. Uh, okay, now let me talk about good-paying jobs. There are no good-paying jobs unless the fella or the people who own the factory, the employers, are making a profit. If the employer doesn't make a profit, he can't pay a good wage to his employee. Makes sense to me, right? Uh, that's the only way you can do it. Now, profitable, the problem is, what is profitable work today? We, Trump sits back and says, we're going to bring the factories back. And, and those businesses are going to come back because they're going to get a big tax break. They'll take the money that they've, they, they've salted away in the offshore accounts. They'll come back here, pay a lot of tax dollars. They'll build new plants. And Trump thinks and everybody else thinks that aren't working or want to make more money. Oh, boy, we're going to have a manufacturing job again, and we're going to go back to those big wages, $35, $40 an hour. Forget it. No way, Jose. Because when they come back, and I've been talking about this for two years, I've been writing about it, they're going to be automated. They're going to have artificial intelligence. They're going to have robots running that plant and not human beings. Now, what bothers me is this. 
We know it's coming this way. We know it's going to happen. I predict it's going to be a major issue in the next presidential campaign. And who the hell's doing anything about it, worrying about it in this country, saying we've got to do something to make studies to find jobs for the human employees? Let me tell you, the Chinese are smart people. I've talked about this and written about this about six months ago. In China, they took all their minds and turned them into robot-operated. No human workers. Digging the coal, bringing it up to the surface, putting in trucks and and, uh, trains, driving it with robot-driven or driverless trains 100 miles, and then robots putting it on a ship for shipment someplace. Okay? But they were smart. They knew what to do with those employees. They retrained them quickly, and they had them digging subway tunnels all over China. And that's what we've got to do, something like that. That's my show for this week. I hope you have enjoyed. I'm doing a video show on Facebook once a day, one to three minutes. Uh, I go by Key West, Lou there. Uh, Become my friend. Ask to be my friend. I'll click in right away. You can watch the show. You will enjoy it, I guarantee. Thanks again for joining me this week. I look forward to being with you next week.